We here at Racket Rock would like to thank our patrons. Severick. Michael Hopkins. Yodlitz. Brownie Davis. Dead Gunner. Michael Drescher. James Burns. Michael Davis. Stephen Vest. Steve Araiza. Carl Black. And William Wilson. Thanks, everyone. Here we go. Hey, thanks, Craig. Hey, it's Craig. Uh, Welcome to another Ragnarok Rock actual play. This is going to be one of our Spooptober games. We are returning to the world of the Eversummer Wood for Spoophorn's big Spoop venture, Revenge of the Gnarl. Gnarl? The Gnarl. Gnarl. Yeah, G-N-A-R-L. Gnarl! Wasn't that that character from Aquacine Hunger Force? Yes. That's who it is. That you spoiled it, Eric. Thanks a lot. Shit. Game over. (laughs) Have a game, everybody. See you all next year. All right. Cool. All right, so why don't uh, you guys introduce your characters? Are you going to direct the order? uh... (laughs) Uh, James, you go first, since you're asking questions. Okay. I'm James, and I will be playing Bentwood Leafwind. He is a half-elf, half-ent archer. Uh, He uses a bow. He has a really fine gold chain. Um, He wears a... I made it through the trail, and all I got with his lousy t-shirt on. Uh, Oh, his his bow is an ornate bow with ivory and gems in it. Uh, He got that as a gift. Um, He he wears light armor. Uh, I think it is. Yeah. Light armor, uh, and he has a. Uh, he was given a gift of forest of bent woods, where there's a bunch of plants that look like bent wood, uh, and I think they give off a flower that is. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Also, I decided that the life cycle of the plant is the life cycle of bent wood. So when the plant first sprouts, it's like a little teeny baby, and then it grows into a toddler, and then like. As it grows as Bentwood grew until it gets like, looking like the age you are now with its hand held out and it has the flower and the palms you can get you make the drug out of. Cool. I really so, like that. In the forest, there's just little wood babies sprouting out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> they just think we just sprout a holes out of the ground. <laughs> All right, so next is Chris. Baby. All right. Well, I'm playing Cinnamon, the lethargic messiah. He is a, uh, a sloth man, which is um, bigger than a sloth, but smaller than a man. Uh, he's covered in kind of brownish, greenish fur. Um, if he's not trying to hide, which I guess he won't be at the very beginning, he's wearing his golden laurel. And... Um, I believe that's that's it. So he's got a backpack full of leaves. Right, right, of course. Uh, next is Eric. Hello, I'm Eric, and I'll be playing Aya. She is a water nymph. Uh, she obviously is all about the water. She can water bend. She can breathe underwater, because it'd be weird if a water nymph couldn't. Um, and... She likes to bend water around, and sometimes she does it a little too much. I always thought water nymphs laid eggs. 
And I learned something today. <laughs> and last but not least is Ryan. Hey, everybody. I am Ryan. I'm going to be playing Mrs. Pockets. Uh, she is a she is a, a thief and an assassin. She's a, she's a sneaky kitty. Uh, also, she's a she's a cat person. Um, she used to be a sneaky kitty. Also, she's a cat. Yeah. Uh, she used to belong to a wizard named Prospero, who was involved in some kind of magical mishap that uh, banished him to another realm and turned her into a cat person instead of just a regular house cat. Um. She is uh, very agile, and she's good at talking to people and surviving in the wilderness. Okay. So, this game is going to pick up about a week after you returned from Sweethorn's Big Adventure. You have delivered Sweethorn back to his father. He is a bard. The two of them have packed up and left town. You are in Treespire, which is the big city uh, in the Ever Summerwood. And you are still all riding high on you having saved the forest. No one around Treespire really knew that there was anything wrong with the forest or that it needed saving, but that probably hasn't stopped you guys from bragging about how you saved the forest. But you've also got a lot of coin to spend, so people have been uh, pretty happy to listen to you when you start buying around to the bar, which is where we think of a week, right? You said it was a week? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Cinnamon has only just finished counting his thousand points. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now you can spend them, because you guys are back at your favorite bar, uh, which is on the underside of the platform of uh, Tree Spire, which I believe we called the Low Hanging Fruits. Uh, and if that wasn't what it's called, then the bar you're at now is called the Low Hanging Fruits. You are... Enjoy- Makes sense. I'll buy 20,000 nickel shots. I mean, uh, even if even if we were well, they, we wouldn't be allowed back in the bar where we were because somebody left all the taps running in the in the bathroom, if I remember correctly. I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but once you uh, once you have this amount of coin that you do, and you're willing to spend it at their establishment, uh, some of the bar they owners the taps on for you. Yeah, some of the bar owners are willing to look the other way. I mean, it's not necessary that uh, they figured out it was him either. That's true. They might not know it was I. So you you guys are uh, in the bar by your window seat with cinnamon hanging from a branch outside the window. You're you're enjoying another celebratory round of drinks. When uh, what round are we on? Uh, well, you're on round one. Well, yes, that's that's the point I was going to make. <laughs> how, many, how many beers are sitting on the windowsill that I haven't gotten to yet? I'll let you guys tell me. Hold on, let me roll a uh, one thousand sided die. <laughs> oh God! We're on the diet of alcohol poisoning round. Yeah. Where is? Let's say round three. Fight. Fight! Oh, we have the same idea. You said it louder. Uh, by the way, Chris, if you if we were going to be playing in person, you weren't going to be able to make it. I was going to say that the reason Cinnamon wasn't there is because he said, "Oh, I'll join you guys as soon as I finish my drink," and it would have taken the entire adventure for you to finish your drink. You could have also just had him sleeping on the back of um, Brent Bentwood the whole time. Yeah, that's true. I rolled and I got four hundred ninety. Right, but it's three, so you were only off by four hundred eighty-seven. In which direction? Up. 
All right. <laughs> so you you three are sitting at the table with uh, with cinnamon hanging outside the window when you hear uh, the cry of a bird, and you you look out the window and you see this beautiful majestic bird uh, flying towards the window, about the size of a parrot, like a like a macaw, but it's bright green. Its beak is gold, and it seems to be uh, slightly glowing, like it has this glowing aura to it, and its tail are these long, beautiful feathers. It is the most beautiful bird you've ever seen, and it perches on the windowsill, uh, and it speaks in a human voice, and you recognize it as Tola, the woman who lives inside the tree at the center of the forest, who you help save by returning the gem, and she says, oh, heroes of the Ever-Summer Woods, I'm so glad I was able to find you. I'm sorry to say, but I need to call on your aid once again. What is it this time? What's up? You return the gem to the tree, and it is restoring balance to the forest, but it is taking time for the enchantment to reach full strength throughout the wood, actually at the edges of the forest, and I fear that an enemy of the forest is taking advantage of this weakness to try to destroy everything. His name is the Gnarl. He brings death and decay with him. He has long sought to bring low the Eversummer Wood and strip it of all its life and warmth. I'm afraid that if he manages to dig his claws into the wood now, he will be able to spread his rot throughout the forest, and as he gains strength, the enchantment won't be able to keep him at bay. Well, we can't have that. We just spent this entire time saving the forest. We gotta save it again. I was hoping you would say that. He's he's set up to the east of here. You you will know his territory when you enter it. It is an addendum to the forest right now, but it can it will begin encroaching into the ever summer wood itself, and soon everything will be his domain. And I yeah. have important flowers in this forest, so it's very important that we protect it. Do you guys see that beautiful bird off in the <laughs> distance? I've never seen one that color. <laughs> Mrs. Simon right. You need to leave immediately. <laughs> Mrs. Pockett has just been sitting there staring wide-eyed the entire time, and her tail has just been flicking back and forth. Yeah. She she kind of <laughs> she kind of looks over at Aya and goes, "Stop me." So you're breaking up the Sorry, my, my to stop her from eating the bird. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, I'm going to try to put myself in between them to make sure uh, our quest giver is not devoured. <laughs> it's not. It's not like an easily eatable bird. Like I said, it's the size of a macaw or like a hawk. I mean, well, not, yeah, that's, that's not going to stop her, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to lean back in this direction. This is perfect, right here. You just uh, come, cinnamon, the metho- come, cinnamon, the lethargic messiah. Let's make haste. Join my back. Hello, Tola. It's nice to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bentwood, you could just pick him up from his perch. 
yeah, that, that's what I eventually do. I, I sit in a hunch position waiting for him to get on my back, and I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot. And then I just kind of put him on like a backpack. Mrs. As, you, as you're getting... I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, Mrs. Mrs. Pockets starts to try to climb over Aya. Yeah, no, but I just need to... No, no, just back, back, back. Uh, Tola, you might want to fly a little bit higher and farther away. Uh, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, the, bird, the bird takes flight and like oh, moves a few feet away what? from the window. Uh, it just Mrs. floats there. Mrs. Pockets, what's this behind your ear? And she's going to just kind of scritch behind her ear. <laughs> I, oh, 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 yeah. No, that's that's the spot. That's that's the spot. What, what, what was I doing? Oh no! You're just you're just kind of relaxing, just relaxing and getting ready for our adventure. Ah yes, adventure. Yeah, keep keep mm-hmm. heading. keep going. The, the Tola bird says, "If you take Speedy, she will probably be able to get you to the Gnarls uh, area quicker than you could get on foot." I hate to say, but time is of the essence. I suppose we'll be uh, going to find Speedy. Thank you, heroes. I am forever in your debt if you if you succeed in this. Uh, and the uh, the bird, other the bird says, "When you when you have uh, finished your task, come back here. I will find you." Uh, and the the bird flaps its wings and, and flies off into the canopy. Well, everybody, around on me. We're off on another adventure to save the forest. And uh, so, as you turn I, around, I leave you look at the it. bar. Everyone in the bar is just staring at the four of you uh, as, <laughs> as you're talking, having a conversation with this majestic, glowing bird. Uh, it's, it's dead silent in the bar. And then Bedwood says, "Well, round on me!" And everyone just and there's like another beat, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, okay, all right." <laughs> So you guys uh, head out of the bar. You head down to the forest floor. Speedy is still in the area, but you know she doesn't like to hang out immediately in the vicinity of the city because she gets weirded out by all the inanimate houses there and all the other buildings that don't move or think. I so, mean, that's fair. Yeah. So if I was about- looking around and a bunch of people were just like completely, completely still as I was walking, I'd probably think that was weird too. Yeah. So she she hangs out about an hour's walk outside of the city. So you walk, uh, you you know where she is. You meet her, and she uh, is she, as you approach. She's like crouched down and nestled in the bushes. And as she sees you coming, uh, she stands up and kind of like tippy toes back and forth with excitement, uh, and then run, runs out into the path. Uh, and lowers herself down and opens the front door, and you could see the, that painting over the mantle in the back uh, that, that changes. That's how she speaks. It says, oh, I'm so glad to see you all again. Let me just say, um, a half hour into our walk to Speedy, uh, Cinnamon, Cinnamon perks up and says, oh, we better leave the bar. Atala says that time is of the essence. <laughs> Yeah, so Speedy, uh, Speedy's happy to see you all again. It's good to see you too, Speedy. Speedy, I missed you. I missed you too, Bentwood. Where are we going today, the painting says. We're going to save the forest from the gnoll. Uh, gnoll? It says N-O-L-L-L-L, question mark. No, 
gnarl, gnarl, like it's gnarling. It's gnarly. Oh. Where's that? Question mark. I bet if we went and found Speedy, we could get there faster. <laughs> Tola told you idea. that on the eastern edge of the forest. We're going east. Okay. East. Everyone in. Not to be confused with Weast, <laughs> which is a combination. I always confuse things with Weast. <laughs> Oh, uh, Diane? Weast? I yes. thought you said Weast. <laughs> so you all climb into Speedy. The door closes. You feel her stand up. Uh, and the, there's that shake for like the first few steps as she gets going. But then once she gets up to speed, it's just smooth sailing. So Speedy runs for a few hours heading east. Uh, again, the paths of the Eversummer Wood are nice and wide and clear. So it's real easy. There's still warm sunlight streaming through the windows. And after a few hours, you feel Speedy start to slow. Uh, and then you hear... Was <laughs> he not flowy? Get out. No. Okay. You start to hear things scraping along the sides and the tops of the house. Uh, Speedy, instead of running, is now walking. Uh, and a few minutes after you start to hear those scrapes, Speedy stops and you feel her settle down. Uh, and the painting at the back says, I'm sorry, everyone, but I can't go any further. The path is too narrow for me. It's okay, Speedy. You've done a great job so far. and I don't want to pressure you or endanger you any more than you than is necessary. Yeah, this is definitely a lot farther than if we would have just walked. So, and yeah, this is probably like a day's walk that you did in like three hours. And we're probably going someplace terrible. Just hazarding a guess. Oh my! Please be careful, everyone. Hey, we'll we'll try. So she settles down, like I said, and opens the front door. Uh, and as you step out. The forest around you is no longer the Eversummer Wood. Instead of those gigantic trees with their lush green canopy, the trees here are normal-sized. They're anywhere from 20 to 40 feet tall, but they have thick, dark trunks. Uh, Their branches are are bent and, you would say, gnarled. Mostly leafless. It's bent wood? It is bent wood, yeah. The, the branches are mostly leafless. Uh, and as you step outside of Speedy, a chill wind blows and makes you all shiver. Uh, there's leaves carpeting the ground here, and they crunch as you step on them. It's now nighttime? You don't... It, it, you haven't been going long enough for it to actually be nighttime. But here, it is nighttime. And there's a full moon uh, hanging overhead, and it's pale light is being cast through these dark, twisted branches and creating a spider web of shadows all over the forest floor. Uh, and you have a feeling this is probably what uh, Tolu wanted you to find. Alright, we found it. Mission successful. Going home. Um, I know Speedy's painting says, I'll wait for you a little ways down the path, so I'm not blocking anything. Okay, you just keep yourself safe. 
And make sure that if this stuff starts to spread, that you just stay away from it. Because as you turn around and look, like, speed is as wide as the path. Like, that scraping you heard was the branches of the trunks of trees scraping against the side of the house. So you, you could tell Speedy can't fit down this path. And from where you are now, it's just as wide as the house. Maybe 50 feet in front of you, 100 feet in front of you, the path narrows to about 10 feet wide. So Speedy definitely would not have been able to fit through there. Uh, All right. Speedy's painting says, good luck, everyone. everyone. Stay Be safe, Speedy. Yeah, Mrs. Pockets uh, gives the, um, the front steps a little pat and says, thanks for your help, old friend. Of course. And then Speedy, uh, the front door closes and Speedy takes a few steps back and then runs off. Still the nicest house I've ever talked to. Oh, definitely. All right, so are you setting off down the path? There's only one path here. I mean, I suppose so. There's only one road, and you went the wrong way on it. <laughs> All right, so you, you set off down the path. Every so often, the, that chill wind blows, and it's it's not winter cold, but it's it's chilly. You all feel a little underdressed. You shiver a bit. Uh, it's definitely colder here than it has ever been in the ever summer woods. Um, Akos, can I? Yes. Uh, I know you said the trees here are a lot shorter, but still, like your twenty to forty foot range. Can I? Can I climb up into the upper branches so I can get try to get like a, a better view of what's ahead? Uh, sure. Make an agility check. Just as a reminder, when you make a jack, you roll 2d6 plus whatever your stat is, and a 7 or higher is a success. I got a 13. Yeah, yep, that'll do it. Uh, so Mrs. Pockets just quickly and delicately almost just scrambles up the tree with no effort. You, you get to the top. With cat-like grace, you would say? Yeah, I guess so. With cat-like grace, yeah. So as soon as uh, uh, Mrs. Pockets disappears into the tree, Cinnamon says, See you later, Speedy. <laughs> so as I'm you sorry to say, the Cinnamon, there's no tasty leaves on any of these trees. <laughs> it's okay. I have my backpack. <laughs> Pockets, you climb to the top of the tree, uh, and you it's hard for you to get towards the top because no, normally when you climb trees in the ever summer wood, even like the topmost branches, the like the most slender ones are twice your thickness. They can easily hold your weight. These nice. are like sticks towards the top, like normal trees. So it's pretty difficult for you to like get all the way up. And as you climb, like branches snap in your hand and it's a little disconcerting that the forest, that a forest could be like this. But you manage to get pretty much towards the top of one of the trees. And you look out and you see, so as you look around, you can see behind you, you turn around, you could see the ever summer wood. You see those giant trees rising up like a wall of brown and green. And there's still sunlight over there. But 
this this gnarled forest you're in hits that way smashing against the wall. Uh, and right where it hits, you can see it's night. It's just dark. And this this forest you're in is it stretches as far as you can see from here in front of you and around you, but you definitely get the sense this is not as big as the Ever Summer Wood by any stretch. This is a much smaller forest. You can kind of see the edges of it off in the distance, like to your left and right. It goes further ahead of you. But okay. you can kind of make out the, the edges of it. Uh, and But you just see a sea of the same gnarled branches and dark trees. There's a few spatterings, uh, at least like that you could see near you, of autumnal leaves. Like you see a little bit of orange and, and browns, but that other than that, it's just these these dark trees. A little ways off in the distance from you, though, you see uh, flickering light in un- underneath the canopy. And- rising up from what looks like a little clearing. Probably two miles ahead of you, if you had to guess. Okay. Um, in that case, in that case, I'll, uh, I'll climb back down and I'll give them uh, a report back of what I, what I just saw. Well, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely something afflicting this, this patch of wood. There's, there's still sunlight back in the Everton forest. Uh, this this area, this whole area is, is blighted somehow, and there's there seems to be uh, smoke coming from a clearing about two miles up. So, I say we should probably check out what's going on down there and hope that the creepy, creepy uh, light isn't anything bad. Also, it looked like a fire light from where you were, from what you saw, Mrs. Yeah. Pockets. Yeah, but oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was, no, you, you're you're up. It's all you. No, I, I was I was just <laughs> saying. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, I think I think there someone might be. Um, may, someone may have made camp up there. Um, it looked like a it looked like a fire or a campfire. All right, so you guys are you setting off down the path. Quietly and, and quietly. Yeah, we're definitely gonna sneak over to that area and maybe survey the the, the location. All right. So as you guys get closer, uh, everyone can make agility checks, and if you have stealth, I believe it gives you advantage. You have the stealth skill. I believe I do. So advantage, you roll three dice to take the two highest. I only have perception. Well, then you don't get that bonus. Two S six. Okay, so I got a. Oh god damn it! I got an eleven. <laughs> I got an eight. There we go. <laughs> I rolled the right thing. Seven. <laughs> Third time's the charm. I also two also rolled eight. Okay, uh, so those are all. Ba- uh, you all succeeded. So, you all, 
approach this this clearing, uh, and as you get closer, once you get to the point where you can actually start to see the light flickering ahead of you, you all crouch down and start moving slowly. It's a little difficult because, like I said, the ground here is carpeted in leaves, and they're all kind of crunchy, so you have to take very slow, delicate steps to not make a lot of noise as you're walking. But as you get to this clearing, you you uh, kneel down to the bushes, which are just as gnarled and bare as the trees. And through the clearing, you s- at first you see figures and you hear music. Uh, you hear like not chanting, it's some sort of vocals, and you hear uh, percussion music. And as you get a little closer, you look through the bushes and you see a group of about a dozen skeletons uh, standing around, talking and kind of singing. And some of them are playing xylophones, and the xylophones seem to be made of bones. Good. That was exactly what I was going to ask if they were doing. Yes. The only (laughs) thing I thought different was maybe they were playing their own ribcages as xylophones. Yeah. No, they're right. playing other other rib cages, uh, and maybe with uh, like looks like they're using femurs as drumsticks as they're playing the rib cages. So you see, there's two skeleton, there's two groups of six of them on either side of this fire, and it kind of looks like they're maybe having a xylophone duel. Oh, uh, I, I I hold up my paw and and I I look uh, look back at the group and. I- Spooky, scary skeletons! <laughs> uh, is there... Could I, like, roll my mind to see if I know what this ritual is? Yeah, uh, sure. Shivers down your spine. Three. So, ten. Ten. Uh, so, you've never actually encountered animated skeletons before. This isn't like a normal thing that happens. Uh, Usually when you've seen animated skeletons, it's some sort of necromantic ritual and they're used as like protection for a crypt or something. So you don't know the specific details of this specific ritual, but if you had to guess, you would based on uh, their, their posturing and the sort of back and forth manner that they're playing the xylophones, you would think that this is some sort of post-stakes battle of dominance. Like, one group is trying to show that they're better than the other group, uh, but instead of physically fighting, they're using xylophones. I've seen something like this before when I used to hang out with Thrax, the ever-burning, his half-hornet, half-snake, Demons would hiss at each other in similar matters <laughs> to display their dominance. Oh God! Half hornet, half snake, demons. Yeah, I've mentioned them before. Oh God! Okay, well, there's a reason Prospero didn't like him. <laughs> All right, what, what what do we do? What do we do? Well. We used to light a fire under them because it would calm them down. I don't know if that would work on skeletons. Put the fire out? I'm really good at putting fires out. 
Also, Bentwood tends to have nightmares for months anytime we use fire. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not overly fond of uh, uh, fire being. Yeah, no, um, I prefer. Can we uh, try something else, maybe? I mean, I said put the fire out. I thought we were, there was a campfire over there. Yeah, there, there's a campfire that, that like, so there's they're xylophoning across the campfires. Like, they're the campfire is the dividing line, more or less. Yeah, I'm good at putting fire out. I might have mentioned. Well, wouldn't that give us away? Yeah, but seems fun. I don't know if the the fire would is something pivotal to this. I mean, they're they're they're, they're skeletons. Um, how do I? Has anyone encountered skeletons before? I would say you have not encountered skeletons like this. Uh, like I said, if you have encountered skeletons, they're like tomb guardians. Only ones I've ever seen had meat on. I think I'm going to hide in these leaves. And Cinnamon starts to slowly crawl off of uh, Bentwood's back to hide in the leaves. <laughs> leaves on the okay. ground. What are the rest of you doing? Like, do we know if they're friendly or if they're hostile? What, like, I, I feel like if they're having a display of dominance right now, is this something we should disturb, or should we just let them finish it out? Well, going back to Thrax's pet demons... It was never a good idea to distract them during their rituals. It was a good way to get bit and stung. (laughs) See, they would latch onto you with their mouth, and then sting you repeatedly with their tails. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a fun fun adventure for anybody. Um, Why did you hang out with this guy? I was young and impressionable, and he wasn't, (laughs) and as far as I knew, the only bad things were harpies. I mean, harpies are pretty bad. Harpies tend to eat sloth men. Oh. Drax didn't try to eat me. (laughs) No, that that is a positive Snake demons. Stung you. Oh. They never did it to me. You can tell because I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Alright, listen, I, I've got an idea. We can we can probably we can probably gauge the we can probably gauge the, the attentions of the skeletons. I'll go in, I'll see if I can uh you know, maybe, maybe, um, get their attention somehow, and if it looks like they're all gonna descend on me and murder me, then the rest of you jump out and we kill them all. Um, question. How do you kill a skeleton? Ah! Uh, cinnamon. 
Norm, norm, normally, <laughs> normally you kill something by attacking vital organs or making it bleed a lot or attacking flesh. Um, skeletons Maybe. lack all of those things. Can we bring Maybe. the bones? Yes, I believe breaking the bones would work. And if not, it should at least prevent them from moving. Valid point. See, if we just had a dog person with us, too. <laughs> all, of the, all of the hair on Mrs. Pockets just suddenly stands on end. She turns, <laughs> she turns very slowly to face you. She just she just kind of stares at you silently for a moment in judgment. I, I'm just I'm just saying that they they take care of bones well. Oh. Don't don't worry, M- M- Mrs. Pockets. I wouldn't trade you in for a dog. You're a much better companion. I didn't hate her. There's just like a there's just like a low growl that that uh, comes out of Mrs. Pockets. Uh, she doesn't. She doesn't like open her mouth or anything. It's just sort of like, <laughs> and then she turns, and then she turns away from you. I never said trade her. <sighs> All right. So what are you doing, Ryan? Open my mouth. Okay. Oh, so I- I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, kind of like creep to the edge of the clearing. Um, and what it looks like, so they're they're just like going back and forth, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, so, at, a, at an appropriate moment, I'm just going to come out of the clearing and start uh, clapping my paws to the beat of whoever whoever is xylophoning at the at the current moment, and you know, just kind of like dance, like I'm having fun. Okay. Uh, so, as soon as you start clapping uh, and come out of the clearing, the xylophoning stops, and all the skeletons turn and stare at you. I have an okay, arrow and notched and at the ready. We've got a fleshy, one of them says. Well, that's derogatory. I was having fun. What, what happened to the music? Look, this is a skeleton thing. We don't perform for flesh bags. We perform to see who the Autumn King will elevate to his personal guard. <laughs> And I assume that's something that all of you want. They they laugh derisively. <laughs> of course, it's what we want. Why else would we xylophone? Good question. Well, I, in that case, I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to interrupt your your little xylophone off. I I was just enjoying myself. Uh. uh I'll pass on through, if you don't mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They, they like, spread out. You can't just pass through. Earn your way through, Fleshy. Uh, okay. How does one earn their way through? The Xylard. <laughs> you gotta prove your metal. With bone. <laughs> you think you got what it takes to take on a skeleton in a xylophone duel? I mean, I, I haven't xylophoned in a while, but, but I, I suppose I could. Um, oh, uh, back hiding uh, back where uh, 
everyone else is, right? After you say that you suppose you could, Cinnamon goes, whatever you do, just be sure not to accept the xylophone duel. Um, I, I, I would need to borrow somebody else's bones. I've, I've brought my own, but they're, uh, I look down at myself. The skeletons laugh, uh, and one of them says, don't worry, Fleshy, you can use mine. Uh, and they hold out the femurs that they were using as xylophone hammers. Uh, what are the rest of you doing in the trees? You can you can hear all of this. Uh, like uh, uh, how many how many skeletons were there? There's a dozen. There's six on each side. Uh, alrighty. Um, I'm debating on whether to just come out and attack or just wait until uh, Mrs. Pockets tries to play. And if she does horrible and they go to attack her, then yeah, start attacking. Uh, I'm going to see how this plays out. and uh, I'm just going to keep a bow ready um, and, uh, and an arrow notched and uh, wait to see what happens. Let's see how the xylophone in goes as well. But could I empower the two femurs that uh, Mrs. Pockets now has so that he can xylophone better? Um... <laughs> Is it um is it a thing you empower or is it a person? Uh, you I, I believe it's or items. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you can decide items. Uh, yeah. So make your make your roll. That's uh your mind. minds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it says plus two to roll, but I believe that means that's what happens if I succeed. Well, if you um so before you roll, you can declare that you want to make it uh, a plus two bonus. And that would be a difficult action, which gives you a minus two penalty. But you got oh, a, a So what, so, it's, a plus, it's a plus one normally? Yeah, it's a plus one, or you can make it a plus two uh, for a difficult action, which you would succeed at because you got a ten, so that would lower you to an eight. So that still succeeds. Um, if, you, if you want to do the plus two. Yeah, I'll do the plus two. I think because I got plus three on my mind, so I think that's going to be seven. Damn it! No, that's enough. Seven's a success. No, I'm saying the ten you got is enough. Well, that ten was a uh, last roll I did. Right, that's to enchant the drumsticks, right? Uh, I don't no, remember what it was for. That there was another roll since then. He rolled a seven. Oh, okay. Uh, I so, mean, if you want to give me the 10, I'll take it. No, it's okay. <laughs> but I did, in fact, uh, roll seven. So that's not enough to get plus two, but that is enough for plus one. Okay. I, didn't, I mean, I said plus two before I rolled, but if you want to be nice and give Ryan the plus one, I won't complain. Yeah, I'll be nice. So All right. So some very, um, very rhythmic-minded... Um, Moths fly out from my fur and nestle onto the the uh, femurs, and they will uh, make sure that if Ryan's a little too slow, they'll they'll flap their wings and he'll hit the beaten time. And if he's going a little too fast, they'll spread out their wings and slow down the thing and improve his rhythm. All right, so 
the the other the so the six skeletons on your side they all move to the other side of Mrs. Pocket. So it's you looking at a dozen skeletons, one of whom is holding these femurs over the rib cage that is the xylophones, and that skeleton says, "All right, standard three round ba- three round xylophone battle. Sharps and flats are allowed. You drop your oh. sticks. You're Alex xylophone." <laughs> Xylophite, yes. Standard three round xylophites. That's out of three wins. We're using midwinter rules. That okay with you? Of course. <laughs> kind of, they all chuckle. It all it looks like all of them are sneering at you and smiling, but that's because they don't have faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so the way this will work, it's going to be a mind roll with disadvantage because you are not a very good uh, xylophonist. I mean, that's fair. Midwinter rules means skeletons win. It gets very confusing when there's not a, another non-skeleton here. Okay, so I take the two worst, so that's uh, seven plus two is nine. Is that with the plus one from Chris? Yeah, my mind is one, so... Okay. So, the, the first skeleton... Uh, the skeleton goes first, and they got a six, and they they had a, a, a decent melody on their xylophones, and you kind of copy it a bit, but then you give it a little bit of flair and improve it as you go, and all the skeletons on the other side got to go, ooh, recognizing that that was the better xylophoning. Uh, so another round. Okay. Uh, four and three again is nine. Okay, uh, they got a seven. The skeleton is apparently not. The skeleton is apparently not very good at xylophoning. Uh, you, you, and he like uh, the skeleton wipes its bony wrist across its bone forehead like it's wiping away sweat that it doesn't have uh, and concentrates more and, and bangs out a more complex rhythm on the xylophone ribcage. And Mrs. Pockets copies it perfectly, adding extra beats and notes as she goes. And again, everyone's like, oh, man! <laughs> so, final round. This all comes down to... So, in between this round, um, Cinnamon looks over to Bantwood and says, I wonder how they talk with no lungs. <laughs> um, Benwood, Benwood has this arrow up, and he just puts his bow down, and he just starts to look over and think. He's like, that is a very good question. <laughs> so for the... He literally has a moment where he's got his bow drawn, waiting to do something. Then all of a sudden, Cinnamon says that, so he just unnotches the bow like slowly and just puts the bow down, and he starts to look up and ponder. <laughs> all right. So for the final round, Mrs. Pockets, your skeleton opponent starts starts frantically trying to like hit out this real complex beat on the xylophones, and as it does, one of the the femurs slips out of its bony hand uh, and just sort of clatters against the, the xylophone, hitting keys and just t- 
chord and no melodies, and the skeleton oh. grabs it and pulls it back, but it's too late. And then you pick up, uh, you pick up the beat right where it left off before it fucked up, and you, but you, you got a, I got an eight, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, so you, you pick up the beat where it fucked up, uh, and you just keep it going, and it sounds great. Uh, and you finish with a little flourish. And there's just silence for a minute. The only thing you can hear is the crackling of the fire. And then all the other skeletons on the other side go, Oh! The fleshy beat you! And they're all making fun of the skeleton. Some of them run over and, like, pat you on the back. Like, that was really good silent for a fleshy! Well, you know, uh, you, you said uh, midwinter rolls, and I, I know that uh, things get serious when you bring out the midwinter rolls, so I brought my A game. Oh, snap, they do! Oh, she kicked your bony ass, man! Uh, they're like... <laughs> she kicked your pelvis. <laughs> <laughs> she kicked your pelvis, man! And half of them congratulating you, half of them are making fun of the other guy. Uh, they, they say, yeah, you, you and your friends could go! The midwinter rules mean that the winner becomes a skeleton. <laughs> and the loser becomes flesh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wait, uh, how did you know we were there? Oh, they knew the whole time. Oh. Well, well, thank you. I, I, um... I'm going I, to pop my head out. <laughs> I'll pop my head out. How'd you know we were here? We're skeletons, and they just, like, tap where their ears would be, as if it's well known that skeletons have good hearing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Benwood now looks even more confused, because he's still pondering what Cinnamon said, and now he's wondering what they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Climb back onto Benwood's back. Uh, Mrs. Pockets, you go to hand the, uh, the stick, the, the femurs back to the skeleton who gave them to you. Uh, and they say, no, you keep them. You earn those bones. I, I just sort of uh, look, look very solemn and, and nod and give like, a small curtsy. They, they solemnly nod back to you like a, like a proud teacher watching their student win a competition. <laughs> How did you learn to play the xylophone so well? That was crazy. Well, uh, I guess I guess you could say I have a little skeleton inside me. <laughs> Benwood punches a tree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that ends the scene. <laughs> uh, in, in, a, in a moment of good timing, as Benwood is walking past the skeleton that lost, Cinnamon looks over and just goes, You got served. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So, you guys continue. So, the clearing, the other side of the clearing, the path you're on continues. So, you continue down the path. And after walking a few more miles, you begin to hear uh, more noise coming from the path ahead of you, and you see uh, flickering firelight again. Much more of it this time. Seems like either a bigger more fire. Xylophones? You don't hear xylophones. You hear uh, the uh, the murmur and din of conversation. You can't make out what's being said, but it sounds like a bunch of people talking. Uh, there's 
a little bit of music that you can kind of hear, but it just sounds like normal music, not specifically xylophones. And as you approach, you see uh, a man with a cape uh, approaching in the bushes just uh, on the path, like just outside uh, the, where the light hits. Uh, and Sky seems to be watching whatever is going on ahead of you. Um, what what's going on? Seeing him? I mean, uh, apparently everything knows we're here all the time, so unless anyone has any better ideas. I hope any okay. us to a xylophone match. <laughs> so you, you approach the man and you say, what's going on? He goes, oh, and he jumps and spins around. Uh, the man in front of you is pale to the point of almost being white, and he's wearing a tuxedo with uh, a medallion hanging from his neck off a thick red ribbon almost, uh, and he's, he's wearing this black cape that comes over his shoulders, but it seems like the inside is lined with red velvet. He's got this widow's peak okay. in his hair. Oh, Count Chocula. Yeah, and, his, and the rest of his hair is just, like, slicked back. Uh, the the shirt uh, that comes out of the cuffs of his... The cuffs that come out of uh, his his jacket are, are puffy and lacy. Uh, he goes, oh, oh, you startled me. Yeah, I'm sorry. You seem very focused, and uh, there's a lot of commotion going on up ahead. Uh, I was wondering if you knew what was going on. Oh, it's, uh, it is, uh, I like your digs. Oh, these are... Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I am Count Vampula. Hi, Count Vampula. My name is Bent Woodley Flynn. I'm an Bent. It is a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Bent Woodley Flynn. And he gives you a, a deep bow with, with one arm out. The scene in front of you is a birthday party that's an old friend of mine is throwing for his daughter. Were you not invited? <laughs> are the rest of you with Bentwood, or are you, like, hanging back? I'm uh, back. Oh, that's right, yeah, okay. In uh, fact, I'm going to stick my head out. Uh, I'll stick my head out from behind him suddenly and go, look out, there's a man up at him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Pocket, uh, this is Cinnamon. Hang back. <laughs> yeah, I'll hang back with Mrs. Pocket. I will hang back with Mrs. Pockets. Okay. Don't want to leave one person alone. Well, you see, uh, the person throwing the party is an old friend of mine from high school, Murray Verwolfenstein. I, in high school, I, I, I dated his daughter. I'm sorry, I dated his sister. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a very important distinction to make right now. <laughs> In high school, I dated his sister, Patricia Verwolfenstein, and the things between us did not end well, and Murray never forgave me. I have been wanting to apologize to him for 200 years, but I just haven't been able to work up the courage. Uh, when I heard he was throwing this party, I thought... It might be a good opportunity for me to come in and 
apologize and bring this gift for his daughter. And he holds up a little uh, pink gift bag with some tissue paper coming out of the top. But now that I am here and seeing all the funds they are having, I, I, I just can't do it. I am too much a coward. Well, you made it this far. I mean, there's no reason why you can't just uh, go and try. I mean, it's been, what, 200 years? I mean, that's a long time to hold a grudge. And and if everyone's having a good time and you come in with a present and an apology, I mean, you don't have to stay. You could just give the present and the apology and see if he asked you to stay. You could just go in, drop it off, apologize, and leave, and and uh, just see what happens from there. I am so nervous, but could, could you help me? Whenever I want to work myself up to something, I just pull out my mirror, look myself in the face, and say, Who are you? Do it. (laughs) Don't know if you're making a joke or not, but that would not work for me. Sure, it would. I'm sorry to hear that. That's. That's an odd. That's an odd thing to have. Um, it's part of the curse of being a vampire. I see. I see. Cinnamon, did you know he was a vampire? You know, when people can't cast reflection, sometimes it means they're a vampire. <laughs> I wonder if you've been cursed with vampirism. <laughs> It is both a curse and a gift, for I live forever and keep my beauty. But I cannot cast a reflection, so I am forced to do my hair like this because it requires minimal effort. Right, also, I, I have to drink the blood of the living, but I got used to that part. Um, when you say the blood of the living, you mean like humans, right? Not like elves and... Um, uh, sloth people, right? Humans are the best because humans are the best because they're so stupid and easy to prey on. Oh, of course, yes, humans are dumb. <laughs> oh, humans I mean, are uh, the first. Yeah. So slow to pick up on things. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, uh, you talk to I'm mostly true. I mean, do you want to marry me and see if he would be uh, amenable to me dropping this off? I don't want to cause a scene and ruin his little girl's big day. Uh, I I don't see a reason why I can't do that. I mean, yeah, I can understand if you ruined his his daughter's day that how this grudge can go from 200 to 400 years. I could probably go and have a few words with him real quick and see what the situation's like. If you do, I would be uh, very thankful. I I would have to think of some way to show my gratitude to you. It's okay, it's okay. I I mean, we have to fight the Gnarl pretty soon, so uh, if you know any ways of uh, helping us defeat him, that'd be great. But as of right now, I'll go see if if your friend here would like uh, to... uh, If he'd be okay with uh, you coming by and apologizing. If you talk to Mary for me, I will tell you how to get to the Gnarl. Ah, that is great. So, uh, me and Cinnamon are going to go and uh, be right back. All right, he points. That one over there, that is Mary. 
Utah. So as you and Cinnamon step forward. Uh, Cinnamon, Cinnamon grabs the gift as uh, as uh, Vanford walks away. What are you doing, that? I thought we were giving him the gift. Oh, you're going to say it from him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So as you step uh, into the clearing, the this, this clearing on the path is much larger than the one you were at with the skeletons. Uh, you see there's a few bonfires going. They're casting orange light everywhere. There's uh, a few shimmers hanging from the trees at the edge of the clearing. There's a few different tables set up. There's food and drink. Uh, there is a band off to the side, like a, a, a regular band playing with, uh, the, with stringed instruments. Uh, and it seems like everyone's having a good time. And it seems like the majority of the people here are werewolves. You see a bunch of... It's kind of like if Mrs. Pockets was a dog. There's a whole bunch of wolf-faced uh, people that are milling around. They're, you know, some of them have plates of food. Uh, some of them are, are you know, have drinks and they're having conversations. Uh, and you see uh, the one that Count Fambula pointed out, Murray, uh, is kind of standing in the middle of the clearing talking to two other werewolves. Uh, and he says something and you see the other two laugh, but you can't, you can't hear what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, so I, uh, I, I uh, start to approach him uh, very slowly with cinnamon on my back with a gift. And I go, hey, Murray, how you doing, buddy? He turns around and looks at you quizzically. Do I know you? Um, not really, no. Um, unless you know of the hero of uh, of, uh, of the Ever Summer Wood, then uh, yeah, that, that would be me. But uh, other than that... Uh, can't say that I do! Ben would, like, hold his breath for a second, and then he's like, yeah, uh, well, this looks like a fancy party. Uh, very congratulations to uh, your daughter and, uh, and, and, and making it a... a, a Making another year. Uh, happy birthday. She just turned 16. It's her big day. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, that, that's an important uh, milestone for uh, uh, <laughs> werewolves. Around, uh, and he, he, like, gestures at her because he's very proud. And you see, uh, like, a five-foot-tall werewolf in a pink dress that, that poofs out at the skirt with frills. She's got a little tiara on, too. Uh, and she's like running around with her friends. Oh, uh, you must be so proud. She looks gorgeous. I'm very happy for you. Um, the light of my life. Oh. So, um, I don't know. Uh, do you do you know of a uh, uh, Count Vampula? He like his face just drops. Uh, me and Reggie. Um, uh, if that's his name, then, uh, yes, I guess. Uh, I, heard, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Well, he feels really bad about how things were, and he, he's upset that, you know, uh, he, he, uh, about things, and he wants to apologize. Uh, would it be okay if he, he, he came by, apologized, and brought your daughter a gift? Are you saying that Reggie Vampula is already here? No, 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 he's not already here. He wants to come and apologize. I'm just making sure it wouldn't ruin your day and ruin the party and ruin this uh, fantastic event. 
if he were to come by and say he's sorry and bring your uh, daughter a gift. And then Cinnamon, pops up. Cinnamon pops up and says, here's the gift. You can have it either way. Uh, so Murray, uh, Murray Werewolfenstein takes the gift from you uh, and sets it down and he, he, he stares at you. So one of you make a mind check to persuade him. All right, my mind is at two. Oh, mine's three, so I guess I'll go. Appreciate it. Uh, oh, oh, oh. 2d6 plus three. Ten. Um, okay. Is it a sweet 16 for the werewolf in dog years? With that, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so he, he stares at you for, he just stares at you again for another minute. I suppose it's time to let bygones be bygones. Why did he say for the first bygones? <laughs> you could tell Reggie that he could come over and say his piece. Okay. He didn't want to make a scene, and he didn't want to ruin the day. Um, he was looking for your best out uh, for your best interest. Um, well, I so, appreciate. Uh, uh, we'll both deliver that message. Uh, uh, congratulations again. Um, and uh, very beautiful, lovely party. Um, I hope. Uh, I hope your day stays amazing, and I hope the cake is fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> And Bentwood starts to hastily make his way out of the way. <laughs> All right, you, you run back. Uh, the, uh, the vampire. Cinnamon is going to say to you, I just realized we probably should have checked the gift wasn't some sort of trick before we gave it over. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> damn it, Cinnamon! <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> All right, so uh, we make our way back to uh, Count Vampula. Still hiding in the bushes. Well, how did it go? Well, um, he asked if you're already here. I said no. So um, he said he'd be okay with you coming and saying your piece. Uh, he said something about letting bygones be bygones. I'd wait a little bit. So it seemed like we actually left to tell you it was okay to come by and then go in early. Us will look like liars, and you'll look like a stalker. So either way, the situation will look good for anybody. That's a good point. I'll give it a few minutes before I go in. I don't want to see that for the explosion. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, um, give or take, work up what you want to say. I mean, I know you've had like 200 years to think about it, but but, uh, go through it again. Make sure it's not going to, you know... Uh, blow up in your oh, face, yes, or I, say I, something. I'll check again. I, you know, you, you go over these things over and over, and you think about how they're going to go, but it never is the same when you actually get to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, even if you don't even need to... Just speak from the heart. Just say what, how you really feel. Um, I'm sorry. I, but my heart no longer works. Yeah, yeah, I realized that after I said it. Um... Uh, just, uh, just say, just be honest and uh, with how you feel. Uh, I would go with that. Um, I mean, if you truly feel regret and you miss your buddy, then that would be things points I would. You should highlight in your apology. 
Thank you, Mr. Bentwood Leafwind. You have been a true friend to a man in need. If you would like to be rewarded with the gift and curse of eternal life, I shall be happy to give it to you. <laughs> um, uh, half elf, half vent. Uh, I have extended life as it is. Uh, you know. <laughs> Can't fit another uh, half. Well, in that case, you wanted to know about the gnarl, did you not? Yes, I did. He's doing terrible things to this forest, and I have plants in here that I really need to protect. They're very important. You've probably seen them. They kind of look like me. They have flowers. You may not have. I don't, this, I don't. He gestures around. This is not the ever summer wood. This is the gnarl's wood. It travels with him like a like a traveling court. The autumn king keeps his throne at the edge, at the far edge of the wood. You will have to travel down this path to get to him. But he is protected by the most dangerous thing of all. Dense fog that will drive you insane. Oh. I don't want to be insane for the rest of my life. I have a long time to go. And I just keep getting bigger, too. It's the only way to get to him, though. <laughs> Um, do you have any tricks to get through the fog? You must steal your nerves, for the fog of regrets can break even the strongest person. I damage a regret? I've been alive for a very long time. I have a lot of regrets. That is even worse! I know. The only way to get through the fog would be with permission from the gnarl. The only way to get to the gnarl to get permission is to go through the fog. What if somebody else already has permission and they go and ask permission on our behalf? I suppose, but the Naro wouldn't grant it. He needs to size up the people before he gives them permission. He, you know, he likes to look you up and down and get the feel for you. He's a people person. Ocular pat down. <laughs> yeah, I see, I see. I mean, if... I was something that powerful, I would definitely want to size up my things before I would allow them to, you know, grace me with their presence. Alright, yeah, no, it makes sure. sense. But thank you, my friend. If there is ever anything Count Vampula can do for you, do not fear to reach out to me. I, you know what? I, I would take you up on that. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, we'll go hang out one day. I mean, you know, both of us being like Eternals, you know. I would forever. like that very much, as long as it is, as it is not in the sun. Oh, dear, no, uh... I would burst into flame and die the most painful death in the universe. You're only saying it's the most painful because you've never met half-snake, half-hornet demons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have. There is an empirical scale in the underworld of the most painful deaths. Vampire dying in sun is number one. Wow. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Quite impressive, then. Snake vampire death is actually number 22. Jeez. It's a very long list, though, so 22 is still pretty good. <laughs> I just picture a whole bunch of dead people in hell arguing how it's worse to die. <laughs> No, I died more painfully. No, I died more painfully. Well, I guess uh, we'll have to try out each other's deaths and see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of time. I, 
I got into the garbage and ate some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, all dogs go to heaven. Oh, ha! <laughs> well, uh, number guess... six is losing the skeleton xylophone uh, concept <laughs> with midwinter rules. <laughs> there's just a there's just a mural of someone having their bones pulled out by angry skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> they rip your bones. Oh, my C's play like a xylophone while you're still living. No, they make you play it like a xylophone. Oh yeah. Mid- midwinter rules that you become the new instrument. <laughs> Oh, man, my, my C is flat. Here, let me get a new rib. Just rips out a rib. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, much better. <laughs> Thank you, again. I'm going to give it about uh, 15 minutes before I go in. Yeah, I, that's good. Much appreciated. Now I'm going to go and think about the things I regret and try to forgive myself and not regret them by the time we get to the fog of regret. Well, don't think about them too much now. Then they'll be fresh in your mind when you get there. Ah, That's true, but I also don't want to be surprised by anything. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I did that 300 years ago. Oh, I know the feeling. I was such an idiot with 300 years ago. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, I was young and dumb then. Me too. <laughs> I'm really hoping that Bentwood will get all the way through the fog before I realize we're in it, and then won't have to regret anything. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I hope uh, good luck with uh, you rekindling your friendship here, and uh, and good luck to you, my friend. So, uh, Bentwood uh, does a slight bow and uh, makes his way to uh, Mrs. Pockets and Aya. Hey, Aya. Oh, 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 oh. What a nice guy. Looked like a nice party, too. You, you, just come, you guys come back around the edge of the path, and then Miss Pockets goes, Ah, darn! She, she pulls out ten coins and just passes them to uh, Aya. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, what, what did you guys bet on? Not, what? Nothing. Never no, mind. Uh, she just owed me. Yeah. That's it. How are you? <laughs> he looks skeptically. Oh, good. Uh, basically, we have to make our way straight down this path to... And we have to make it through the fog before we can get to the gnarl. The gnarl. And, um... Oh, yeah, and the fog is enchanted, and the only way to get through is to get permission from the gnarl, but in order to get permission from him, you have to get through the fog to get to meet him to get permission from it. And also, it's the fog of regret, so it makes you go insane. Oh, well, that sounds troubling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got some ideas about that. How about you guys knock me out and drag me through the fog? <laughs> I mean... Cinnamon's not even going to re- realize we're in it until we get through it. I mean, isn't isn't fog just kind of water? Yes. 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 Can I, I maybe uh, 
Can I maybe uh, go for a swim? No. Can I maybe... Uh... <laughs> I can can see I use I can... it to flood the forest? Yeah. I can see if I could do something about that. I've never really tried it with a uh, water vapor. But... <laughs> I regret doing that. <laughs> I regret not trying this earlier. <laughs> I regret not doing that, and I can't stop regretting it, because I'm waist deep in the fog of regret. <laughs> or a flood of regret. <laughs> All right, so I suppose we press on. All right, so uh, you keep going. Uh, the the, the break on through on the other side. Yep the the branches still hang uh, over them. There's these knotted you know knotted tangles. The wind uh, chills you as you walk. <laughs> You, once again, after a few more miles, see flickering light ahead of you in a clearing. Uh, and you hear, it's it's the dimmest one you've seen yet. It's still obviously a campfire. Uh, but it's it's smaller than the others. And as you get closer, you hear a single hushed voice speaking, but you can't make out what it's saying. Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, you're up. <laughs> All right. Oh. I would like to try to see if my uh, water bending can take care of water vapor in the air by making a path through the fog. What? Not in the fog. We're not at the fog. There's just a campfire up ahead. Oh, why would we say I, I'm up then? Sorry. I... Be- because uh, Mrs. Pockets took care of the first campfire. I did the second. And it's your turn because uh, if we waited on cinnamon, um, it will be. Oh, yeah, that's true. Next game session. Also, <laughs> <laughs> first campfire issue. <laughs> All right, I, I guess it's me then. Sorry, I, I didn't sleep that much yesterday, so I missed. I kind of blinked out for a second. All right, we're good. Let's go. All right, so, are, you, uh, are you sneaking forward, or are you just walking into the clearing? No, I want to be. I want to be quiet about it. See if I could. Uh, Although right. Benwood is going to try and hide and have his bow ready for whatever may happen, so he's going to sneak. Alright, so that's agility checks for both of you, and you get the stealth bonus if you have it. I should have gotten that. Stupid me. I will, I will also sneak ahead and, and back Aya up. Okay. I got a 9. I have a 10. I have a 10. I got a uh, thirteen. Okay, yeah, you all sneak. You don't. You don't think anything heard you or noticed you. I, as you approach the clearing, uh, you again. You peer through the bushes and you see a small campfire with uh, some logs laid on their long side set around it. Four of them, and sitting on the logs are these ephemeral shapes. They kind of look like. Uh, bed sheets draped over a person with holes cut out for the eyes. They're just sort of these amorphous, <laughs> ephemeral things. And one of them, one of them is speaking, uh, and it says, "The ghosts are sitting around the campfire, just like this one." <laughs> when all of a sudden, out of the darkness. A were-human jumped out! And all the, the other ghosts who are listening like, Ah! Jump up! And the were-human slashed at the ghosts, and it's a 
filled, warm finger things cut into them. And under the light of the full moon, they all began to transform. Their shapes took form. They grew arms and legs. And you hear it like the, the ghosts on the other side are like holding on to each other and shivering. Like, and then once they had physical form, they could feel things. Oh, God! <laughs> From that night on, every full moon, those ghosts turned into were-humans. And they say that if you listen hard, you could still hear them under the full moon. Walking around this very forest, talking about barbecue grills and their <laughs> short lifespans. <laughs> I didn't hear what made everyone laugh. What, what were they talking about? Barbecue well, grill humans. Barbecue grill lifespans. And, and their short lifespans. Very short lifespans. You come upon uh, these ghosts who are telling uh, scary living stories. Uh, <laughs> they're scared of turning into me. Maybe I want to try and scare them away and be and think make them think I'm a lair human from straight from the story trademark. <laughs> okay, uh, so I'm going to say that's going to be that's going to be a mind check to sort of assess like the best moment to jump out and scare them. All right, hold on. Uh, uh. Okay, so so that story's over. So you wait, and uh, the, the ghosts all kind of compose themselves, and one says, all right, all right, it's my turn. So, this is a true story. A night, a few years ago, a bunch of ghosts were camping in the woods. They had just finished setting up their ghost tents. They heard a rustling in the bushes, and you hear that, and you, you rustle in the bushes, and they all stop. Yeah. All of them turn and look. They can't see you, but they all turn and look. And they wait, and then the, the one who's telling the story goes, and then they thought it was just an animal in the brush, and they didn't think anything of it. And so then they went. they all went to sleep in their ghost tents. But in the middle of the night, evil, living person crept out of the woods with a a, 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 a thing that living people use and attack the ghost in the night. And when he says that... Uh, thing around that I could have that living people use that would... <laughs> I mean, he, he was kind of gesturing like a knife. I mean, you could use your staff or just grab a stick. You could pick up a stick. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm going to jump out with my staff. Ah, I better get you before a propane grill kills me. And all, <laughs> all these ghosts let out a blood-curdling scream and just take off floating 
into the woods. They just, as fast as they can, they just sort of disappear into this mist. And as they head into the woods, you just lose sight of them and they're gone. (laughs) That was fun. I guess I could have gotten information from them or something, but that was really fun. Yeah, that was rude, man. I mean, why would you scare little little ghosts like that? Did did you see the opportunity? Yeah, I did. Have to traumatize them for their unlife. I was going to say, it's a night they'll remember for the rest of their afterlives. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it was fun. Personally. I mean, yes, it was fun, but come on. They weren't hurting kind of sad we didn't get to hear the end of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the path ahead of you is now clear. Hey, you did a good job. (laughs) Alright, so you guys set off down the path and after another mile or so, you come to another clearing. Uh, And this is the smallest clearing you've seen yet. Uh, it's basically just the path gets a little bit wider, and at the other end is a wall of fog. It's just, it's like there's a line where it's up, and there's just fog about ten feet up, uh, and it just blocks the path. And flanking that are two pumpkin um, people. They have, uh, their heads are large pumpkins that have been carved with triangular eyes and this weirdly shaped mouth. Uh, and from the inside, it looks like... The eyes are weirdly shaped, too. Triangular? Yeah, it's really yeah. weird. Yeah. It like seems like there's a candle or something flickering inside. Having a party. Uh, and their bodies seem to just kind of be made of slender vines. Like there's a single vine that goes from the from the base of the pumpkin down to what would be the groin, and then splits in two to make legs. And there's two other vines coming off for arms. Uh, and there's one on each side of the path, and they're holding a spear that just basically looks like a sharpened stick. Uh, and they're normal. They're about five and a half, six feet tall. They're av- average height. Uh, they turn and look at you as you approach. You seek audience with the Autumn King. How'd you do? This is the only way to reach his throne. Oh, you good. So, uh... You must pass through the fog of mild regrets. <laughs> um, is there a way to not pass through the fog? Only if you have a dispensation from the king. Uh, how do you get a dispensation from the king? The king must give it to you. Alright, well then, uh, can you come out here to give me one? The king does not deign to come out here to give dispensations to people he doesn't know. Ah, okay, well can you go in and introduce us? And then come back out with a dispensation for us? Oh, you have to, you have to go through the fog. Talk to the king. So we can't we can't go through the fog unless we talk to the king, and we can't talk to the king <laughs> unless we go through the fog. Oh, you have to go through the fog. It's just you'll you'll have to deal with the fog of mild regrets. Once you have a dispensation from the king, fog won't affect you anymore. You you just have to go through the fog. Yeah, yeah, we get that. But is there a way to not go through the fog? No. I I have a I have a question. Mrs. Pockets raises her paw. 
We ran into a we ran into a guy back there who said that uh, fog would drive you insane. Uh, and and you're calling it the fog of mild regrets. Was he overselling it, or are you guys underselling? Yeah, the two jack o' lantern guards look at each other. I think he was overselling it. I mean, usually we kind of hype it up because you know the fewer people who come through here, the easier our jobs are. But it's it's really not. It's not going to drive you insane. You said mild I mean, I guess that, regrets. I guess that really depends on your regrets, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's the fog of mild regrets. Well, that should be easy for me. I only have terrible deep-seated regrets. <laughs> I mean, it's it's mild on a scale, so if all your regrets are terrible deep-seated, it's just going to be one of those. <laughs> but the smaller That doesn't sound fair. Well, you should have been a better person. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's fair. <laughs> Don't regret anything. Be a pure psychopath. <laughs> yeah, I guess well, you could, you could luckily, I now regret that uh, conversation we had. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just believe that again. All right, so the the two uh, the two jack o' lantern guards they were holding their spears across uh, over the entrance to the fog, and they they lifted back. They lift their spears back. Go through the fog. Alternate uh, awaits you on the other side. Mrs. Mrs. Pockets kind of like leans over to uh, to Aya. Are you going to do the thing? Let's try. Julie, do the thing. Uh, <laughs> So make a... Actually, I'm not going to make you roll for it. You try, but it doesn't work. Yeah, it kind of gets that. It's not... You, you, get the, you think that maybe it would work on fog in general, but this is magical enchanted fog, and it's a stronger right. enchantment than your magic to get it out of the way. So unfortunately... I'm willing, I'm willing to accept that. But because you don't have a choice. <laughs> Or he can move all the fog, but there's still a big layer of, uh, uh, oh god, I forgot the word. Magic? No, um, regret. There's still a big, oh. layer of, a big visible layer of regret. <laughs> you, move, you move fog, but the magic stays. Damn okay. <laughs> the fog, <laughs> the fog no, actually fine. weakens the spell, so you just made the spell stronger. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible regrets. Oh, God. I regret doing that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess I guess Mrs. Pockets, like, steals her nerve and then uh, charges into the fog. So, Mrs. Pockets, you run into the fog, uh, and as soon as you cross that threshold, it just envelops you, and you could feel that or your fur is suddenly clammy and damp from this super dense pea soup fog. You immediately uh, regret going in the fog. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can barely see your hand as it as you hold it in front of your face, and you take a few slow steps forward, and then the fog in front of you begins to swirl uh, as if there's a little eddy there, and it starts uh, to it starts to manifest into shapes. So what mild regret does Mrs. Pockets see uh, come to life in the fog? 
Okay. Uh, so <laughs> the, the the fog the fog swirls, and we see um, just inside of of Speedy, and then it cuts back to Mrs. Pockets, but she's a regular house cat, and she's just sort of standing there staring. Uh, so then we cut to her food and water bowl, uh, like laid out nicely on a mat. And then we cut back to her, and she's still staring. And then we cut over to, like, a pillow lying in the sunbeam. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back to her. And then we cut back over to... Uh, she, she like, looks, looks between the two of those things. And, and she, decides, she decides to go take a drink from her water bowl. But then she looks up, and the sun has gone behind the cloud. <laughs> okay, so you you relive that mild regret, Mrs. Pockets, and you think, man, I really wish I had gone and laid down in that sunbeam. It looked really good, and you just, you just feel like a little bummed out thinking about that. Is that, that probably would have been a really good sunbeam? And then the fog just swirls again, and that that scene is gone. And you take a few more steps forward, and you're you're back on the path, and it's clear. And you look behind you, and there's that, that wall of fog behind you. I, I just I just called back. They definitely oversold it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's easy. And then Bentwood just <laughs> runs through. <laughs> All right, Bentwood and Cinnamon, because you're together. So, right. same thing. So, Bentwood first. What do, what does the fog resolve into when you step into it? Uh, um. Or cinnamon, if you have an idea. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I come up with a, a very mild regret. Um, so cinnamon is hanging upside down in a tree, um, a tree with particularly hasty leaves, and um, he reaches out very, very slowly, and he grabs a leaf and he picks it off. And he starts to pull his hand back, but then he realizes there's another leaf, an even bigger, tasty-looking leaf, right there. And he goes, and he grabs that leaf, and he plucks it, but then he drops both leaves, and they both fall down to the bottom of the tree. And he looks <laughs> and goes, if only I hadn't been so greedy. <laughs> uh, so you, you think back on that time when you were foiled by your greed. It's one of your mildest regrets. <laughs> you, you think about how if you had just settled for that one leaf, it probably would have been pretty good. Or even eaten that leaf and gone back for the next one. It's a cool. uh, James, James he's back. Okay. All right. Yeah, you could have eaten them one at a time, but you, you just you got too greedy and lost them both. And you, you feel kind of bummed about that. I mean, it's definitely not the worst thing that's ever happened, but probably would have been I mean, there, were, there were plenty of leaves, but the one I dropped was really nice. Yeah, and you, you, just, you just feel kind of yeah. bad about that. Uh, Bentwood, what about you? Okay, did you, did you guys hear anything that I said earlier? Uh, no. no, you dropped out. Ah, um, Alright, so as Bentwood walks through the fog, uh, he he remembers uh, he's shown this time where he was uh, flirting with a bunch of elves in this uh, 
tavern, and uh, the one elf he took home, uh, and one of the conditions of them going home to together was that he picks up the bar tab. Um, he just edited everything that he drank and she drank to her tab and left and didn't tell her. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you remember that. You're like, oh man, what a dick. Uh, yeah. It, it feel pretty bad because I mean, you weren't drinking a lot, but it was probably more than she was planning on paying. And uh, man, you should, maybe you should like track her down and apologize. But that was also like seventy years ago, and uh, you, you just feel a little bad. And you you take a few steps forward, and you're out of the fog and standing next to Mrs. Pockets. You know, I should probably look her up and see if uh, now that I have all this gold. Pay off that tab, finally. All right, and Aya. All right, so Aya steps into the fog. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, the town of Zima, off the off the lake of uh, Jawaga, down uh, maybe a couple miles uh, from her her hometown. Uh, she's, yeah. She had been eyeing it for a while. She's she's watching uh, people on um, the you know the lowlands of the town. Just enjoying themselves, um, checking on the crops, making sure everything's growing well. It was looking like it was going to be a really, really good uh, harvest season this year. Uh, she hides behind the tree, just keeping an eye on them, uh, wringing her hands, getting ready. Uh, with a raise of her hands, the the water level of the sea of the lake begins to rise, washing out over the lands, ruining the crops of these people. They're yelling and crying in agony as they watch all of their all of their hard work over the last year be just taken out um worried about if they're even going to be able to feed their families again uncertain of their future and she's just thinking to herself i really like swimming in that lake i guess we'll have to wait for it to fill up again yeah so you're, you're watching as the the screams from the families just fill the air and assault your ears and that was a really good lake. Like it was, it was just the right depth, and in the summer, like it was just the right temperature, and uh, just a really good lake for swimming. And uh, it's kind of you're probably gonna have to wait like a year or two before you can go back yeah. and have it be just right. And it's just, just kind yeah, of yeah, it's a bit sucks. of a shame. Yeah, it just kind of sucks. I mean, you did the right thing with the flooding, but you, you always kind of regretted. Uh, I missed what I missed. What happened at the end? Everything was cutting out. Just saying, you kind of regretted it. Yeah. Then you you take a few more steps forward, and you're out of the fog, standing next to the rest of your party. Mm-hmm. Yeah that that wasn't great. wasn't too bad. wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'll get over it after we finish this adventure because I'm probably gonna forget about it as soon as we meet the knoll. Mm-hmm. The knoll. Cinnamon's crying. are you okay? Did fog get in your eye? It was such a big leaf that I dropped. <laughs> oh, cinnamon, it's okay. You've got lots of leaves. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Um, undo Cinnamon's backpack and, and fish around, find a really big leaf and just give it to him. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cinnamon takes about a minute and a half to reach out and take it. 
reach out and take leaf. Miss <laughs> <laughs> so, Pockets shows an uncharacteristic amount of patience as she waits for Cinnamon to take the leaf from her. <laughs> and once he does, you set off down the path. And it is not long until you the path comes to its final clearing. It opens into a wide space that is ringed with dense trees that are trees are probably only about two feet apart and they sort of almost make a colonnade that rings this circle uh, and towards the back of the circle sticks and branches rise up out of the ground like they grew like they just grew there uh, and they form this uh, tangled uh, they tangle and twist with each other and form themselves into the shape of a throne uh, the top of the throne at the back is wreathed in leaves of vibrant reds, yellows, and oranges, making it look like it's sort of it's set ablaze. Uh, and sitting on this throne, this this massive throne is at first you think it's a tree that is just sort of grown on the throne, and as you get closer, it moves, and you realize it's the gnarl himself. He is uh, he's he's an ent. Uh, but he is old, and he himself is bent and twisted. Uh, and as as he straightens up, you hear the creaking. His his hands are sort of clenched together in front of him. His fingers intertwined, and he flexes them and, and puts them on the armrests of his throne and brings himself up uh, to a more regal posture as you come in. And you would imagine that if he was standing, he'd probably be about 20 feet tall. His eyes glow uh, <laughs> like red embers, uh, deep set into the bark of his face uh, as he looks down at you. <clears throat> Who comes to the court of the Autumn King? Well, I am Benwood Leafwind of the Bentwood Clan. Uh, uh, I come to seek an audience. Along with my companions here. And who do you bring with you, little sapling? Sapling? Oof. Rude. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Pocket steps forward and, and gives a gives a curtsy and she says, uh, I am Mrs. Pockets. Uh I'm a kitty. And um I I yeah, I, I've come to seek an audience with you. My leash. I take a step forward. Hiya! I'm Aya! I've been waiting for that one. <laughs> uh, water, water Nymph, uh, here with the rest of the group? Yeah. Just wanted to make the pun, really. And your sloth friend? Give him a few minutes. <laughs> I oh. can wait. And he he steeples his fingers. I was I was waiting for one of you guys to introduce me so I could introduce myself directly afterwards. But <laughs> if you guys aren't gonna do that, I'll just Hi, my name is Cinnamon the Lethargic Messiah. It's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> a 
court of the Autumn King does not get many visitors. Few can make it through the fog of regrets with their minds intact. Stout you must be, so I will hear you. Speak your peace, the Autumn King. So, um, you seem to be invading into the realm of the Eversummer Woods. Um, kind of not cool, man. I mean, kind of live there. Yeah. What you call invasion, I call restoring the natural balance. For thousands of years, Oksara has flaunted the natural law that she herself created. Seasons pass, trees sprout leaves and drop them. The Eversummer wood does not change. It is time for autumn to come. I will bring autumn to the Eversummer Wood. Yeah, we we get that there's a natural order, but, you know, the Eversummer Wood was a gift. I mean, it was a story of lovers. I mean, it's... it's it is it's, an abomination. Uh, yeah, but... It's a pretty one. Things, yeah, it is, and, and things change. You know, things have gotten used to this way of life. I mean, the- things don't change in the Eversummer Wood. That is the problem. Autumn is a season of change. When the leaves fall from the trees, they become nests for far- for animals on the forest floor. Leaves serve as kindling for the cleansing fires that clear forests for new growth to grow. Or to get rid of people, like, you know, those weird humans. Oof. Ugh, humans, don't get me started. Sara <laughs> flaunts the laws that she herself created. She developed the cycle of blooming and decay. For her lover, she breaks that law. She is a hypocrite, and I am here to right her wrongs. I don't I mean, know if this is another Thrax the ever-burning sort of issue. You guys will have to let me know if it is. But this guy doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> Cinnamon here understands. I shall bring 10,000 years of autumn to the wood. To make up whoa, for whoa. the time that Oksara stole. Yeah, 10,000 years is a long time. What, what if we were to broker a deal here between the two of you? I mean, like, you're right, there should be a natural order, but it, it's called the Eversummer Wood for a reason, right? It is called the Eversummer Wood because of a perversion of Oksara's own morals. So, Mr. Autumn, 
Does your wood ever have summer? It does. Brief though it may be. The leaves sprout on the trees, then fall again. My forest stands in contrast to that monstrosity Oxara created. Her not do but she would not listen to reason. That sounds more like spring than summer. It's part of it. And you go right from spring to autumn and skip the summer, which is just as bad. At least seasons change, unlike her would. And what about the winter? I didn't hear you mention that. Seems like you are a hypocrite. Enough! And he slams his fist down on the arm of his throne and stands. I will not abide being insulted in my own throne room. Whoa, 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 who's insulting who? I mean, like, we're just trying to point out, like, you know, that the two of you are being a little bit hypocritical here. I don't need to hear that from you, little sapling. I, dude, I'm, I'm like a few hundred years old. I mean, it's... He needed to hear it <laughs> from someone. He... He takes a few steps down from his throne, and with each step, you feel the ground shake as this 20-foot-tall walking tree comes closer to you. You will respect me and my wood, or you will pay the price. Okay, so what if we have a sit-down and, you know, discuss this like, you know, normal forest beings... But what is more respectful? Telling you the truth that you don't want to hear, or lying to you? I would say being truthful is a mark of respect, and lying would be the disrespect. Uh, Chris, At that point, mind check. Uh, oh, okay. No. Okay, so you, as you say that, Cinnamon, you look into his eyes, and you, you get the sense that he acknowledges what you're saying, and maybe even on some level agrees with you, but you also realize that he is fanatical in this belief. You get the sense that you're you're not going to be able to persuade him. Like, he has made it his life's mission for thousands of years to make Autumn come to the other summer wood. Okay. Uh, he so as you say that sentiment, he growls. The words are poison. Thanks, cinnamon, and I ready my bow as he says that after I hear cinnamon <laughs> hey. say that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're we're gonna go to combat then. Uh, it's y'all versus the, the Autumn King. So uh, there's no initiative. So you guys can go first. Oh no. I thought oh, initiative was uh, yeah. agility. 
is descending order of agility. So let me get out my pencil so I can uh, make a little note about uh, who's going what. All right. So it's been I know it's been long enough that I don't remember what everyone's agility is. So what's everyone's agility? Two. One. Zero. James. Three. Okay, Ryan, didn't you have a perk that gave you some initiative or something? Or one of you had it? Yeah, uh, I think I remember Ryan um, going first. I time. think I did. I think it was... I, I do not have anything unless we go first in initiative. Um, I can, however, I can however, spend one heroism to give everybody plus one for the rest of the um, scene. Um, I thought... Was oh yeah, I get one plus one for agility for initiative only when it's perception, so I'm actually at four. Because okay. I have perception. Gotcha. Okay, so it's Bentwood then, and then Mrs. Pockets. Aya, you were one? Correct. And Cinnamon, you're zero? Zero. Or I guess, okay. Unless Ryan's spending that uh, whatever, then it's one, but I mean, it doesn't really change the order um, if everyone goes up. Well, that, that uh, has to be, I think that would be on my turn. I'd okay. have to, uh... Um, what skill is it that lets you do that? It is charisma. Um, I get, my, my, base, my base level is advantage in social activities, persuasion, intimidation, and bargaining, and my right. advance is send one heroism and all your friends or enemies receive plus one or minus one rolls for the rest of the, to the rolls for the rest of the scene. Right, so that wouldn't affect initiative, that's just... Right, whatever. right. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right, I, I just uh, I just meant that like that's that's what I that's what I can do for everybody. That would be on your turn. Yeah. Uh, that would be like a rousing speech or something to, to get everyone. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Bentwood, you are up first. So yeah, I uh I noticed that what Cinnamon said uh may have uh irked uh the uh the gnarl uh, yep. to the point where uh uh, I think we're done talking, so uh, I I shoot an arrow at him. Okay, make a make an attack roll. Uh, he's gonna get a defense roll. Ow. yeah. Oof. I got an eight. Yeah, that does not beat him. Well. <laughs> You you knock an arrow and, and draw your bow back and shoots uh, and it just flies forward and hits the bark on of his skin and just bounces off like it just sort of deflects uh, as he's taking steps towards you. Uh, so Mrs. Pockets, you're up next. All right. Uh, so Mrs. Pockets steps forward and she um, she also uh, well you know what. Uh, I have I have an oil flask, um, so I I pull out a rag and I start uh, I start stuffing it into the oil flask uh, so I can make a flaming projectile. Uh, and as I as I do that, I say, "Come on, guys, let's turn this old nuthead into kindling." I'm gonna use my uh, I'm gonna use my charisma ability to give everyone plus one to rolls for the rest of the scene. Okay, so mark your heroism. Uh, and everyone remember that you get plus one for everything on top of whatever other bonus and stuff you get. All right. 
Uh, okay, so that's that's your turn, Mr. Pocket. So, Aya. So, since I could bend water, um, could I possibly bend the water in this this the king to dry him out? Uh, you could try. It's going to be real difficult. It's all right. Might as well try. Advantage. So you roll three dice and two lowest. Okay, so this is doing my magic on. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, but I get a bonus for using my mage weapon, right? Steve, so uh, mage weapon, shield, mage armor, mage weapon. Um, it is a oh, it's a power item. So let me go down here. And I have the advanced power, so it's plus two to rolls, and only, yep. Yeah. Sorry, it's been a while since I did the system, so I forget how this works. Um, so the mage weapon uh, is a oh, here we power items. These items require the wielder to have the power skill. Okay, which you do. Uh, uh, I see, I see. Oh, there we go. Okay, that's advanced. So it's plus two to power rolls in your sphere. It only happens on the critical failure. So, uh, I don't think the the mage weapon gives you a bonus to it. I think it allows you to do it. Uh, these items require the wielder to have the power skill. And that one of my spheres of power is damage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, if you have a mage weapon, you roll with plus one attack. Right. So, you get plus three plus your attack. And my attack, is it my attack my mine? Oh, yeah, my attack is two, yeah. So plus five altogether. Yeah, and plus the one for mine. Because your power skill gives you plus two to power rolls in your sphere. Right. You get plus two from that, plus one from your mage weapon, plus two, I guess, from your... Plus two, plus two, plus one, plus one. One plus two, plus one, plus one. Not two plus one, plus one, plus one. So you roll with plus six... Thirteen. Uh, you have disadvantage. So roll oh, one die. All right, so thirteen is your lowest. Right. Okay. Uh, so you're so you're trying to suck the moisture out of him. You said. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, he gets to make a defense roll. Being that he is autumn. Uh... I wouldn't say great. Uh, so oh. he rolled four. Uh, <laughs> plus his defense is still not enough. Uh, yeah, so you uh, you start to uh, siphon moisture out of him. You watch as droplets of water form in the air. They get pulled through the bark, and the bark of his skin starts to turn grayish uh, and and gets it looks dried out like wood that's been bleached in the sun for months. It's just, it starts to crack a little bit more here. As you pull the water out of him. He does not seem happy about it, though. Ah, You're up. James, you chopping vegetables or playing ping pong? What? Are you chopping vegetables or playing ping pong? I keep hearing... Uh, Clack. You know what? That might be the dish, uh, not the dish, uh, the washing machine or the dryer. I'll close the door so 
I didn't realize that it was that loud. He was doing it. Yeah, when no one was talking, I saw your name was lighting up every time it did it. Was it in rhythm? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, then yeah, it was probably my my my. my it was my laundry. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like three rooms away from that though, so I'm surprised it was picking up. <laughs> Got a good microphone, I guess. Yeah. Very sensitive. All right, cinnamon, lethargic messiah, you're up. Um, okay. So one day while cinnamon was napping, a woodpecker built a nest in his fur and laid some eggs. And the eggs have hatched, and now there are a couple baby woodpeckers that are um, they're going to take this opportunity to leave the nest for the first time, fly out, and start pecking the autumn king to give him minus one with my empower skill. Uh, roll it. I love the flavor on all of your spells. <laughs> it was between that and uh, a horde of termites. I like the woodpeckers. It's a nice touch. I'll be right back. Uh, plus three. After these messages, he'll be right back. There we go, 11. Ah, I should have done the plus two this time. Oh, well. Uh, okay. That succeeds. That beats his defense. We get to minus one. Uh, as these little woodpeckers start pecking at him, rah, rah, and he's like, brush them out of the way, uh, which is just in time for his turn. Uh, Aya, you hurt him, and he did not like that. Wait, did, who just left? Was it Eric who stepped away? Yeah. Uh, well, in that case, you're making a thing that he doesn't like, so he's going to kick you. So roll I don't defense. like that. Alright, let me see. Da, 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 da. Alright. Thirteen. Oh, yeah. No, he, he misses. <laughs> you definitely uh, jump out of the way. Uh, yeah, you very much beat him. Okay, so Bentwood, back to you. Bentwood, that's James. Yeah, I'm sorry, I had my mic muted. Uh, so I see what Mrs. Beckett's uh, was planning to do, right? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't think she's not hiding it from you, is she? No, no. So you, you see her? I mean, you saw it, so I'm sure it's pretty ob- obvious to everybody that I'm making a, a Molotov. Yeah, Cinnamon will notice in about ten minutes. <laughs> Cinnamon notices now, he just won't say anything about it for ten minutes. Yeah. So I'm going to make my way as far away from uh, this this thing as, as I, I can possibly be, because uh, fire and and Bentwood are not friends. Um, on on any level, I, I, I he he will have nightmares about this for a while. But uh, yeah, he gets far away from from uh, the gnarl as possible and uh, try shooting arrows at him as he's running away. Okay, uh, so make uh, make the attack roll with disadvantage because you're doing it while running. Okay. That's not how this works. Live in space. Oh, yeah, he did the space. 
So I would assume Ooh. it's a, a six. So I don't think that works. Uh, seven is a success. So you, you're you're pulling arrows, but you're you're panicking a little bit more than you thought. You're trying to keep your cool, but you're panicking a bit from the imminent fire, and it's it's just throwing off your aim, and your shots go wide. I'm back, uh, Mr. Buckets. Uh, yeah, that, that, Bucky, Eric, you stepped away, so he didn't attack you. Oh, Molotov I just made. I'm gonna I'm gonna light it on fire and chuck it after him. Or after uh, him. Okay, I'm gonna say that's agility check instead of an attack is Elton. I mean it's it's the same it's the same either way. Yeah well because it would do damage to him. Yeah so make an attack roll. Yeah. So the new plan is to finish my turns and then step away. <laughs> I got a ten. Okay. Uh that succeeds but not a ton. So does that you... does it get any kind of uh, bonus because he's dried out. Um, and did you remember to minus one from his defense? I did minus one to him. Okay. Uh, so you you throw it and he he steps kind of out of the way. So instead of hitting him, it kind of smashed at his feet. Uh, the flames still lick up and hurt him though, but it's not quite it's not quite ty- entirely engulfing him in flame like you would have hoped. Okay. But you still hurt him. All right. Aya, you up. Um, okay, so the... I had been draining him last turn, and you said I was draining the water and pulling it out of him. Would it still be in front, like, hanging in the air that I'm, I've been pulling it off of him? Uh, yeah, sure. Can I try to form it into some manner of spear and jab it at him? You could certainly try. Uh, same kind of roll as last time, I guess, or? Yep, another, another power attack. Right. Alright. Um, um, does this not, does this have disadvantage, or is it just regular roll? It's just regular roll. Fourteen. Okay, yeah. Uh, your, your spear hits him. Uh, it, it sticks into him. Rawr, he screams out in pain and is feeling uh, rather upset. Uh, well, well, I imagine that the, uh, it would be counterproductive to having drained him of the water to then insert it back into him. Well, yeah, you, you stab him with the spear and then it quickly starts to melt because he's also surrounded by fire. So the ice isn't lasting very long. Right, fair. Cinnamon, you are up. Okay, so I'm gonna go with the uh, um, the termites that I had before. There's some also nesting within my fur, but what I'm gonna do is uh, probably not great for Bentwood that they've been there. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna dump a few of them into his um, uh, quiver so that they can hang out on his arrows, and if he hits the um, the gnarl with it, the um, Termites will start eating him and doing a little bit extra damage. So we'll do. Um, I'm going to go for plus two this time. Plus two to the damage. You're going to bless, bless Bentwood essentially. Yeah, empower his arrows with damn plus two damage. All right. Make it. Make it roll. Yeah, eighteen. Oh shit! Damn. Did you say? Wait, how do you get fifteen from? Oh two? no! Wait, wait. I rolled d twenty six. You rolled the d twenty six. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you I, know, I, I would have let that slide. Good. 
<laughs> okay, seven. So no. Should, should have gone with the plus one this time. Backwards, both times. Sorry. Well, isn't it? Isn't it plus? Isn't it because of Mrs. Pockets? Uh, yeah, you do get a plus one, but the difficulty adds minus two to his roll. That would make it so. Because uh, adding so the make it a two, six. yeah, so it's still not enough. Um, so you you dump a bunch of termites into uh, Bentwood's quiver, and then you just kind of stay there at the bottom. Yeah. Can you eighteen? Yeah. Sorry. Roll 15 on 2d6, so it doesn't really work. <laughs> I can roll it on 1d26, though. You could. You could roll 15 on a d26, as you showed. Uh, <laughs> all right, so it is the Gnarl's turn. He is very upset, uh, and Aya, you have you have hurt him a lot, so this time he's actually going to attack you. Oh, wait, I'll be right back. Nope, too late. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, there it is. All right. Bother. He rolled a three. Uh, well, I'm going to roll anyway. Roll a okay. d26, Eric. Maybe Eric will Eric, Just so you know, if you... Guys, uh, oh! You came very close to failing. <laughs> uh, okay, but he, he misses you. Uh, he, what did he try to do to me? He was just He was just, like, kicking you with one of his giant tree trunk legs. That's that's his main thing. He just kind of kicks because mm. you're all like a corner of his height, basically. <laughs> that's what I do. What do people a corner of my height would be attacking me? Yeah, like a shower attacks you. You just kick her. <laughs> uh, okay, back up to Bentwood. All right, I am. I'm good since I'm a fair distance away from any sort of fire. Um, I'm actually gonna take my time and focus and actually shoot him with an arrow this time and not miss. Okay, roll it. No, no, I, I just dictated what I was gonna do. Okay, well that's not how it works. You have to start the roll, sorry. No, wait, wait, you have to, and that should <laughs> do it. Will, you have to roll. <laughs> you didn't do anything. So, I got a, I got a ten. A nine. Uh, plus one from Mrs. Pockets. Oh, I thought that was included with your three. Okay. Uh, no. Unfortunately, that's not enough. Uh, he beat you with his defense. Holy oh, horse crap. Apparently, when it comes to not getting hit by James, I roll really well. All the other times, I'm rolling like shit. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, again, your, your arrow bentwood just off of him. He's like He's not even paying attention to you. Uh, Mrs. Pockets, you All right. This just adds insult to injury because he keeps calling me a sapling, and now he's not even paying attention to me attacking him. This is not cool. About being a few hundred years old, he's like ten thousand years old. So yeah, to him you're a sapling. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, still old. I, I am going to. I am going to uh, try to um, disappear behind a tree. Uh, I'm basically I want I want to sneak around so that I can spring on him unawares next turn and get my big bonus. Okay, make a stealth check, and he is going to make a mind check to yeah to see if he spots you do your thing. Okay, I get advantage on that, uh, so that is going to be a thirteen. 
Uh, yeah, you succeed. So you you slink away into the shadows of a tree. Uh, you take advantage of him being focused on Aya uh, to and the the crazy shadows that are being thrown by the flames to uh, to slink away behind a tree to pounce on him next time. I take advantage of him being so unfocused on Bentwood. I just kind of walk over in Bentwood's direction. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not standing. paying attention over there. You're not hiding. You're just standing next to Bentwood. <laughs> uh, speaking of Aya, you're up. I'm going to take advantage of him being so focused on Aya to uh, try to taunt him and um, be like, try to keep defensive, but like taunt him to keep attacking in my direction so others have a better shot on him. Okay. Uh, make a mind check. It's plus three because of Ryan's bonus. Ten. Uh, seems to work. He he is not uh, not leaving you. Uh, he's still he's still focused on you. Uh, Chris, mm-hmm. are you back yet? Yes, I'm Chris. Eric is cool. Uh oh, right, well, he's gonna that. Well, Chris, I <laughs> want that. Uh, that he. This is clearly himself. an imposter. <laughs> uh, he, and he's succeeded this time uh, on coaxing the termites to give Bentwood a bonus. So your next attack, Bentwood, gets a plus two from Cinnamon. Alrighty. Four, and he succeeded. Uh, but it is now the Gnarl's turn. Uh, he's so focused on you, Aya, he's going to roll with advantage to hit you. Uh, you start to dodge. You get your defense. You get to roll defense. Oh, that's a large number. Oh, I got close. I believe he got a critical success. Uh, double six, a critical success. Yeah, that's plus one damage. Uh, so damage is um, it's the different. Okay, I have to double check. Uh, if attacker wins, he deals one damage plus one point per two points he scored higher than the defender. Right? Okay. So you got a thirteen. He got a. 12 plus his... No. You got, I got... I got 11. Got 11. All right. um, he got... Uh, I mean, yes, 13. 12. He got 14. So that's one point for hitting you, another point for uh, every two, and then a third point for his crit. So you take three points of damage. All right. That, that hurts, but I'm okay. I'm alive. Oh, we, we refresh our health from last time? I mean, it's oh, been yeah, like a I week, I would assume. So you have refreshed your health. Cool. Did our heroism refresh? Um, yes. Yeah, sure. I was going to say, I, don't th- I thought that heroism doesn't refresh. You just get points of it if the GM likes what you do. Uh, but it's fine. You could, you could set it if it's less than your mind, except for Ryan, because uh, he's made the point. Yeah, your mind to minus one. Um, I I had I had my mind uh, plus one already, so it would. Okay, so then yeah. <laughs> Number one, the uh, plan worked. Okay. Number two, <laughs> ow. Yep. Uh, so Bentwood, you're up. All right. I'm gonna shoot him with an arrow. You get plus two, an additional plus two, because um. Well, I'm back. The plus two for mine was to damage. Damage. Okay. So in that case, uh, 
just make a regular attack roll. All right, 13. Uh, yeah, that beats the four he rolled. So, uh... uh okay, so Bentwood, uh... How do you want to finish him off? You don't kill him. You end the fight with one well-placed arrow. All right, so I've been shooting at him a lot, and uh, I, I'm starting to get really aggravated. So, um, obviously... He can hear me, and he knows I'm here. So I definitely put one of these arrows with termites on it right in yeah. his ear. <laughs> so as I just notch the arrow, <laughs> I start yelling at him. I was like, what are you paying attention to me? And I just let it go, and it gets him right in the air. And I'm even shocked. Like Ben was like, oh, crap, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you, the rest of you watch as the gnarl just howls. He reaches up and grabs his ear that has his arrow protruding from it. And he falls to his knees in front of you and has, like, one hand on the ground. And he goes, oh, fine. I submit. I'll retreat from the Ever-Summer Woods. Obviously, its defenders are stronger than I anticipated. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> That's for making me remember the leaf. We could have done this amicably, you know, with, you know, words. You have me. He he pulls the arrow out of his ear. What? You know, it's it's fine. You know, maybe we'll... We'll talk to Tala, and maybe they will come to some sort of agreement. Hear you. You shot an arrow in my ear. <laughs> he just throws it on the ground. I I uh, just kind of wave to him goodbye. <laughs> slowly shambles back to the throne and just collapses into it and looks at you. You make your way back through the mist won't bother you. When you emerge on the other side, it will be gone. I do like the hand-waving bow and, uh, you know, as in thanks and taking my leave. Okay, so you, if, you, if you leave his court there, uh, you come back to the Wall of Fog. Do you guys just walk through? Um, yeah, I suppose so. He said he wouldn't bother us. Uh, it seems that the, the Autumn King is true to his word. You walk through the fog, and this time it's just fog. Uh, and when you step out on the other side, you blink because you're suddenly standing in uh, sunlight. But it's like a setting sun, and you're just on one of the fields that and the Eversummer Wood, and you can see off in the distance, a few miles, is the Eversummer Wood, and the the autumn forest you were in, you look around, it's just gone. Ah, oh, man, I wanted to tell the pumpkin guards, uh, uh, you know, it's okay, guys, we'll keep your secret, we'll love everybody how terrible the fog is, but I guess if we're not going to see them, then, uh, well, I guess we'll call for Speedy. Well, I mean, you can't because you don't have like phones or anything. But uh, as you start walking towards the forest, uh, you see. I mean, I was her... literally going to just start yelling for Speedy. 
Well, I mean, I you're, you're I was... basically on a big field. Like you would see her uh, if she was close. She's a few miles. Uh, okay. away. As you, so basically, the the forest is just surrounded by fields, uh, and so you're just in a big grassy plain, essentially. Uh, and as you walk after a while, as the sun's starting to set, you see Speedy running towards you, uh, and she, she quickly catches up to you uh, and opens the door. Uh, and the the portrait says, "What happened? The, the woods just disappeared." I give her a hug. I say, "Yeah, we talked it out." Oh, <laughs> I'm glad to hear you guys didn't have to resort to violence this time. <laughs> uh, where, where's the first thing yet? Kid at Speedy. Uh, oh, I, I oh, oh, boy! It's it's in the it's in the bathroom. Uh, the door to the bathroom opens up. <laughs> bathroom, eh? <laughs> On the way. Uh, so as you, as Aya starts tending to her wounds, uh, Speedy picks up and starts running. Uh, and pretty soon, uh, after a few hours, you're back uh, underneath the canopy of uh, Tree Spire. Uh, and as you approach on the ground level, uh, when uh, Speedy stops to let you out, uh, that, that same majestic glowing bird flies up to you uh, and perches on the nearby branch. I, uh... Uh, when I see the bird coming, I kind of use my, my my gold chain to reflect the sun to to make little uh, sunbeams on the ground to distract the. Uh, uh, then some dimmering light from somewhere. Sure. To distract Mrs. Pockets from the bird. We could use the mirror that I that I mentioned I had before when I was trying to get the vampire to look into it. Oh, okay, the, bird use that. the bird is like ten feet. Oh, okay. Heroes of the Wood, I'm in your debt once again. Yes, um, it's not a problem. Uh, he just seemed a little ticked off that you constantly kept things summer and you know, don't uh, and you ignore the natural balance and your own rules and you're a hypocrite. Don't worry, I put an arrow in his ear. The Autumn King used to be an ally of Oxara, but once she created the Eversummer Wood, he turned against her. He's fanatical in his devotion to the idea of Boris dying and being reborn. Thank you for chasing him away. I hope his event, his forest is known for its frights. I, I hope it wasn't too much for you. It was terrible. I remember dropping a leaf. Oh my. <laughs> so sorry to hear that, Cinnamon. Uh, now I, I kind of owe somebody some money. It wasn't that bad. Thank you. Thank you again, adventurers. If there's ever anything I can do, you know where to find me. Just time you come see us. Please don't be a bird. Oh, oh my apologies. I, I hadn't thought of that. It was just the fastest way for me to get here. I will take that into consideration next time. Thank you. Uh, and the bird, the bird flies away. I I really don't want to be the kitty who pounces on the immortal lover of a goddess. Yeah, no, that uh, that would reflect badly in in the history books. And uh, yeah. there's only so many people I can be alive long enough to tell no, it was an accident. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
All right. So uh, Speedy says her goodbyes as she goes back to where she usually hangs out. And you guys walk back to uh, Tree Spire to probably make your way back to the low-hanging fruit to tell everyone how you save ours yet again. Uh, and that brings to a close Spoophorn, Spoophorn's Big Spoop Adventure, Revenge of the Gnarl. 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 Is that appropriately spoopy for you guys? It was very appropriately spoopy. The, uh, okay. the xylophone match in particular had me yeah. terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really thought you were going for like the Halloween songs inspiration because first we had spooky scary skeletons mm-hmm. and I thought I thought that you had taken us to a werewolf bar mitzvah uh, I, honestly that was my, my first my first thought was werewolf bar mitzvah uh-huh. um, but I decided to go with werewolf birthday party instead I thought it was going to be like a monster mash I thought there were going to be like other yeah. types of monsters there I kind of pictured like that Scooby Doo and the you know the haunted house with all the kids and stuff like that yeah, I was trying. I didn't want to like, just bur- burden it down with trying to get every little thing in there. Like I, I was mm-hmm. first trying to figure out how to do mummies and things, but I just decided to go with a few because I think we're at just about two and a half hours right now, so that's a good length. I didn't want it to drag on. That's true. And maybe the Autumn King will return with more spoopy adventures. That would be fun. <laughs> uh, you also made a friend with uh, Count Reggie Fampula. Yep, hey. I did. I actually wrote that um, I, on my on my my sheet that uh, that Count Vampula is a friend. I don't I don't know where he lives, but uh, maybe we'll run into him one day. He definitely does not live in the Ever Summerwood. Oh yes, of course. Uh, vampires are not known for their love of summer. <laughs> uh, but all right, I hope you guys enjoyed it. it was uh, fun. A brief. A brief return to uh, the Ever Summer Wood. I, I like this. Uh, so. I do too. How much experience do we get? Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. How do we dole out experience in the GM book? Uh, experience. All right. So oh, you get oh, experience. There we go. So at the end of a session, you get one. At the end of an adventure, you get one. And when you achieve a major goal, you get one. So you did all of those. So you get three XP. Uh, and Yay. you someone for one more. I'm going to nominate Mrs. Pockets for that awesome uh, xylophone off. Hooray! And, uh, my, my nomination is definitely going to Aya for that um, the minor um, regret that she had. <laughs> I, was, I was on the fence between doing something absolutely horrible and something like not, that was nothing, and I'm glad at least one of us went horrible. <laughs> I'm gonna give it to Chris for his his uh his terrible tragedy his uh, minor regret that was much worse to him than minor would indicate. Um, and I, I guess I'm gonna give mine to James because of his hilarious relationship, his hilarious notice me said my relationship with the Autumn King. You probably should have called him Fern. <laughs> I thought about it, but he was speaking uh, common, not uh, ent. 
I, I was. I have to say, I was proud of the the fog of minor regrets. I was about to go get <laughs> before I just fed Gracie, and I was like trying to come up with something else to throw your way, and I threw. I'm like, oh, I gotta go write that down before I forget. <laughs> it, was, it was good. And Gracie's just like, wait a minute, wait, come back. <laughs> that was my minor regret. I didn't feed Gracie fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's Gracie's major regret. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it should be a major regret. You know, she's going to take revenge now. Yeah, but she was going to do that anyway. She would have just found another excuse. I guess. All right. Well, that brings a close to this uh, this adventure in the Ever Summer Woods. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed it. Uh, does anyone have any last will thoughts before Craig leaves? Uh, 